Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. God's guardrails. And we've been in this series, this is our third week. And I know the last couple of weeks have been pretty hard-hitting. And uh, Chantelle and I really feel that with people, and we've had feedback. And you know, even a couple of people haven't been able to sit in their seat during the service, had to leave, switch off online. And that's okay, okay? We want you to know that's okay. If things are said from the platform, maybe a real struggle. You're more than happy to leave, take some rest. If you want to speak to one of our pastoral care team, speak to your group leader, that's totally good. But we, we feel really committed. Uh, to keep preaching messages, not just about making your dreams come true, but actually speak about the grace and the truth of Jesus. And so, you know, as much as I want your dream to come true, we've got to keep speaking truth and helping people. And uh, so, you know, it's been hard hitting, but our heart, Chantalai's heart is to protect our church. If you're a mother or a father, the number one thing you do for your children is you protect them. And I am waking up to just how <clears throat> crazy our world is going. And we're going to be talking about some of these things, and we need to protect our children, especially our children and our young people at this time, as so much is being attacked from their identity, their sexuality, so much is being attacked, and we need to pre- protect these precious, precious children and these young people. And so, you know, if we ignore this, we will live in regret. I'm already probably living with an element of regret around some of the things we haven't spoken about. And so, is your pastors, if we can, we want to keep you from danger. And there's nothing harder than watching a, a person's life go over the edge. We saw with that car and that video, if it wasn't for the guardrails, that would have been a human tragedy. And so our goal is not to point you towards danger, our goal is to point you towards safety. And there was a survey recently done in America and in the UK and churches that are more liberal, churches that are allowing that anything goes, you work out your own truth, are in decline and churches that are coming back to preaching the truth are in rapid growth. And so as a church, we want to make sure that we are always speaking truth and helping people. And uh, yeah, so this is our God book and this is our guidebook. And so this is God's word. This is God's word, but it's also our guidebook. It helps, it guides us, it keeps us from going over the edge. And uh, Ephesians 5.15 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now we're going to look at three guardrails today from the life of Joshua. I'm going to give you a little bit of context and then we're going to jump into the passage and then we're going to unpack these rails. Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt uh, for 40 years. They've been wandering around for 40 years in a desert. And Moses is around 120 years old and he is about to die. He realizes that he has actually failed in his mission. And so he brings in his young accomplice, which is Joshua, as the new leader of Israel. And his job is a job that Moses failed, is to move the people out of the desert into the land of Canaan, which is now known as the Promised Land. And, Mo- and Joshua, he, he, he no doubt he had his work cut out. 
The, the, the children of Israel, were, they were moaning, they were grumbling, and they even wanted to go back to Egypt where they were in slavery. And so Joshua is commissioned. And if anybody needed to succeed, Joshua did. And God speaks. And he says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. This is his instructions to Joshua, so that you might be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then it will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. You know, God's call for our lives is good success. The words good success are only used once in the whole of Scripture in this portion. So if there is good success, I'm assuming there could be bad success. I want to talk for the next three hours and 20 minutes on good success versus bad success. Good success versus bad success. You know, there is a definitely a common desire in most people that I meet to be successful, to impress people. Those closest to us, our family members, our work colleagues. We love to impress those around us. After the overs lost to the unders, I got home and my, my son, who doesn't spare his words, Justice, he said to me, Daddy, why did all the overs have big bellies at the match? <laughs> exactly, I said the shirts were just too tight, son. <laughs> but you see, how we measure success, how we measure success is often based on other people's opinions, other people's standards, other people's ideas. And success can often mean luxury. It can be wealth, it can be possessions, it can be postcode, it can be influence, it can be achievements, it can be beauty, it can be fame. And, you know, not necessarily any of those things are wrong, but dads, we feel like we're judged successful or unsuccessful by the job we have or postcode we live in, the type of car we have. And then what happens is we get addicted to approval. We get addicted to likes, comments, followers, notoriety. We live in a world now where people's dreams and desires for success is to be well known. Speaking to a young man at the start of the year, I asked him, I said, what do you want to be when you're older? I asked a lot of young people, that always fascinates me. What do you want to be when you're older? This is his response, you ready? Famous. Famous. I said, okay, what, what do you want to be famous in? He said, oh, I don't care. As, as funny as that might sound, success is now defined, I want you to write this down, success is now defined in fame and things. So we're only deemed successful in life if we have fame or we have things. Now here's the deal. Here's the deal, dads. God doesn't want us to be famous. He wants us to be fruitful. This is the difference between bad success and good success. I meet so many people, and probably especially men and dads, who feel like they're failing because they forgot about the fruit. I spoke to a dad in business this week, and he talking to me about 
felt like he'd failed and was a failure. And then I reminded him of his fruit. I reminded him of all the things that he had done, he had achieved, the impact he had had on people around him. And I feel like to start this message today, there's some dads that need to hear this. We have all failed, but we are not failures. There is a difference between failing and being a failure. And God does not create failures. We fail, starting with Pastor John, we fail in our attitude, we fail in our integrity, we fail in so many areas of our lives, but here's the thing, there is no failures in this room. I wanna remind some dads here today, I know you got it wrong, I know you missed the mark, I know you messed up, but guess what, your kids are still alive. You must have done something right. You got them through school, you, you stuck food on the table. You did the best with what you had, you, you played your part. You're doing better than you think you are. Can you just stand up once more, the dads? I just really wanted to just really come on. Sometimes, let me tell you, the enemy goes after the fathers. And I just wanted to remind every dad in here again. I want to remind you today that you are not a failure. You know what? The devil wants you failure-focused, not fruit-focused. Sometimes we have to just go, you know what, actually I do have some fruit in my life. I have done some things that are right. We honor you today, every dad, every grandfather, every, every new dad. Dick, we honor you today. You're a great dad. You're a dad that won't give up. You're a dad that's kept going even though everything in life's been thrown against you. We love you and we honor you today. You guys can sit down. And then, dads, we start looking around at all the other dads who are just so gifted. You know, I was just looking at some of the dads there, and I'm like, oh my word, they're so amazing. I'm just looking at David Field, he's always chilled. He's got like 15 kids, and he's always chilled. Imagine being, I'm like, imagine being relaxed like David Field all the time. Just one day as David Field, Lord, not, I'm all so uptight. I'm like, can I just be David Field for one day? <laughs> and what happens is we start wanting other people's successes. And we try to imitate them. We try to dress like them. Come out that shirt. <laughs> we try to talk like them. We try to buy the things they have because we, we think success it's becoming like someone else. You know, when I was younger, I was obsessed with David Beckham. Anyone else obsessed by David Beckham? Just, okay, just me, all right. <clears throat> I remember going into the hairdressers once, they're like, what would you like? I said, a David Beckham. True story. And I walked in, he was like, is it a David Beckham today? I mean, what is it today? So I had his haircut, I thought, you know what I need? I need his boots. So I saved up and bought David Beckham's boots. But here's what I learned, and this is another big takeaway for us today. Real success is not what you project, it's what you possess. I'll say that again. Real godly success is not what you project, it's what you possessed. I didn't possess David Beckham's gift. He had a right foot like Pele, and I had a right foot like Mark Hollinger. <laughs> You see, it's not what you project, 
And you can drive the nicest car, you can wear the nicest clothes, you can have the David Beckham haircut, but ultimately it's what you possess on the inside which defines good success. You know, and if we spend our whole lives projecting, not possessing, here's what we become, poor. You become poor. Young people, listen to me. I meet so many young people and they're trying to dress a certain way or do a certain thing a certain way because they think it's about projection, not possession. And actually, God wants you to possess some stuff. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, For you are a holy people to the Lord, for your God, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. Wow, God chose me to be his prized possession. And YouTube and podcasts and LinkedIn and books, they're all on how to succeed resources. And let me tell you, I read that stuff. I read it every day and it's good stuff. And I'm all about them. But we can spend our whole life searching for good success when the word of God, which was written up to 6,000 years ago, gives us clear guidelines and guardrails for good success. And the great thing is these guardrails are not just for dads, they're for moms, for grandparents. If you're single, for students. They transcend all culture, they transcend all age. And good success is simply being in the middle of the guardrails, not on the other side of the guardrails. You know where the enemy wants his church to live? On the other side of the guardrails. The thief comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. Bad success is the kind of success which robs us of time with our family, our friends, our church, and ultimately it destroys your health and your relationships. Ultimately, bad success takes you over the edge. I'm sure that we all know maybe of a time in our lives or maybe you know someone in your own life where they thought what success was success but it actually took them over the edge. I don't know what the official statistics were but I know a few years ago it was 60 or 70% of people who won the lottery were bankrupt within 10 years and divorced. Why? Because there's good success and there's bad success. And with good success, we see every blessing in every area of our lives, from family to church, business, health, relationships, good success. Turn to the person beside you and say, God wants you to experience good success. Good success. So God gives Joshua three guardrails for good success. Now the good news is Joshua was a dad. He was trying to figure it out. So these, these guardrails apply to everyone today, not just fathers. No one is excluded. Number one, if you're taking notes, these are three guardrails that God gave Joshua for good success. Number one, success demands stillness. Verse one says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. God lays out the first guardrail for Joshua. He's saying, hey, guess what? You can depart from Instagram and life will still be okay. You can depart from Facebook, you can depart from TikTok, or Tic Tac as I call it, you can depart from all these things and life will still be out, you'll be able to kind of figure out and navigate it. But there is one book that you cannot fail to meet, to move from, it's this book. He's saying no podcast, no success manual, no DIY course, no subscription, no TED talk can come close to this book. 
You know, our tendency might be success begins with a, with a gym workout or a hit or a leadership podcast or a yoga class or swimming with the dolphins or walking on hot coals, whatever works for you. Okay, and all these things can be positive. But God says this, he says, all these things are secondary to this book. All these things. And you might be coming to Soul Church and you say, John, you say the same thing every single week. Guess what? When I go to the gym, they tell me the same thing every single week. It's about repetition. It's about keep doing the same thing in this Christian walk. And there is no substitute for the Word of God. I'm going to say that again. There is no substitute for the Bible. There is no substitute for the Bible. Everything else is secondhand information. Every other book, every other podcast, you cannot use a Stephen Furtick podcast as your main meal. And let me tell you, that guy can preach. Okay? But this is your main meal. Give me today my daily bread. The rest is a top up. And you know, for my marriage to su- succeed, we've been married 16 years. 16 long, 16 years. And, um, but for our marriage to be successful, this is what we have to do. Spend time in each other's presence. Zoom's not good enough. FaceTime's not good enough. WhatsApp's not good enough. The only thing that's good enough is the primary. Spending time in her presence. And you know, God's saying to Joshua, hey, if you really want to succeed in transferring over two million people through a desert, and if you really want to succeed, dads, trying to get through your kids through school, and if you want to really, you know, if you want to succeed in getting that business deal across the line, I want to give you just one small start to the guardrail. It's this, keep this number one in your life. Keep this number one. You know, my most successful and my most prosperous days always begin by spending time in God's presence, focusing on Jesus. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When we spend time meditating with, with the Word, we are spending time with the person of Jesus Christ. Joshua 1.8 says, meditate on His Word. The Hebrew word for meditate word there is a, is a word called Hagar, and Hagar means to speak out, to confess. Now look, I hadn't seen this before. It says, keep, the, keep, the, keep the, the book of the law always on your lips. Notice it doesn't say, keep this book in your mind. It says, keep this book on your lips. The first guardrails of success, good success, is to entering his presence and then confessing his word. I want to encourage you, don't just read the Bible, speak the Bible. There's something powerful when you actually speak the word of God because faith comes by hearing, not, not, not just, you've got to speak it out. So when you speak it, you are listening to your own voice, but you are listening to God's voice because you're speaking his words. So we're going to speak God's promises today. Is that okay? Is that okay? I want to just speak the word of God over you because I want faith to arise in this room. I know some of you dads and mums, you've had a really difficult week and there's been some battles you're facing. So I want to speak the kingdom of God, the word of God over you. Are you ready to receive it? 
Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. There's something about listening to God's word. And I want to place a little bit of homework in front of us all this week. I don't know how you spend your daily devotion. I don't know where you do it. All I want you to do is this, is when you read your Bible, I want you to speak it instead of read it. And I want, you, I want you to begin to meditate. I want you to put this Hagar word into practice and actually confess the word of God. My children will be blessed this week. I am the head and not the tail. I don't want you just to think it. I want you to speak. Who's going to put this into practice this week? Actually speak the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And four things take place when you speak the word of God. Four things take place when you spend time in his stillness. Number one is this. Grace is revealed you obtain a fresh revelation of God's grace and his love towards you when you spend time with him. When I spend time with Chantel, here's what happens. I obtain a fresh revelation that she loves me. You become Jesus-focused, not self-focused. And the enemy, he wants to keep reminding us of our failures and mistakes, but when you spend time with Jesus, he wants to keep reminding you of his love and his grace and his forgiveness towards you. So grace is revealed. Second thing that happens is faith is renewed. Faith is renewed. People say to me all the time, why do I need to read my Bible? Well, here's four good reasons. Grace is, grace is revealed. Faith is renewed. You're listening to God's voice by speaking his words. Number three, wisdom is received. God gives us wisdom for our day to position us for good success. I went into this meeting this week and I felt God give me some wisdom before I went and it was this. You ready? This was the wisdom. Don't say anything. I had pages. I've got to be careful what I say. I had pages. And this is what God said before I go in. Shut up. <laughs> that was it. Well, if I had missed that, you can go in and you can say all the wrong things. But you know, when you spend time in God's presence, here's what he does. He fills you with wisdom. And you'll say things at work. You'll say things at uni, at school. You think, who said that? I can't remember even thinking about that. It's because God, when you spend time in his presence, wisdom is received. Number four, strength is restored. There you go. They're all ours for all the teachers in the room. Strength is restored. When we meditate on Jesus, he gives us strength to accomplish good success. Psalm 1611 says, in his presence is fullness of joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So in his presence, you receive all these things. You receive grace, you receive forgiveness, you receive strength, you receive wisdom and faith. Now who thinks it's a good thing to spend time with God? To be successful in your day, it's the presence of the Lord that makes our lives a good success. Number two, so success, taking note, success demands stillness. Number two, success requires obedience. Our second guardrail. If I was 80 years old and asked to lead two million people in a desert, okay, 
to another country. If I was 80, I'd be like, I've got this friend called Joseph Zimmerman, and I'd be offering up his services pretty quick. One of the young guys, James Cow, he'll do that for you. I'm past my best. Who knows, you'd always be offering up someone else's services in that position. And Joshua has a huge challenge ahead of him. And the Israelites, they have walked in circles for 40 years. If you ever come in at Heathrow or Gatwick Airport and it's early in the morning and the pilot comes on the, on the, on the tannoy and says, um, we haven't got a landing slot, we're just going just gonna to encircle Heathrow. That's brilliant at 6 o'clock in the morning. All you want to do is get your bags and get home. Have you ever seen, I think we've got a picture that's going to come up on your screen. It's going to uh, show you what I mean. But you're just about to land and you go into this holding pattern and they've got the little television on the seat in front of you and you just see yourself going around in circles. You feel your life disappearing in front of you. And this is exactly what the Israelites were doing. They were walking around in circles for 40 years. Why? Because of one word, disobedience. Disobedience. Moses had been given full instructions which they disobeyed. Here's the good news, but God never stopped loving them. God will never stop loving his children, even when they're disobedient. What parent would ever stop loving their kids, even when they fail to be obedient? But obedience is actually a guardrail. It's not a popular guardrail. And God's not going to stop loving us if we ignore this series. And even if we go over the rails. But what happens if, what happens is this. We can ignore it and we can be disobedient. And God will keep loving us, but our lives go into a holding pattern and we cannot land on our plans and our purposes that God has for us until we make a decision to follow in his ways. And we don't like the word obedience because often it, it, it brings up a childhood experience because obedience and control can very, very blur easy. And obedience is simply a reflection of our faith. And Joshua's faith was challenged. And even as a church, our faith is being challenged with this new building. Just because we've got the permission doesn't mean to say we've got all the money because we're far from it. We have a faith gap still of two million pounds. But here's the thing, we've got to keep walking. We've got to keep being obedient to what God is calling the church to do. And obedience always works against our flesh. But I love what Samuel said. He says to obey is better than to sacrifice. And Joshua is obedient to the voice of God. In Joshua 1.10, he speaks to the people. He says, prepare provisions for yourself for within three days you will cross this Jordan. You know, God is calling us to be obedient as fathers. You know, obedience could be today maybe to call your dad. Maybe you've fallen out with your dad. Maybe your relationship's gone south. Maybe it's just a text message. But, you know, there's... there's 10 commandments in the Bible and number f- the fourth commandment is honor your father and mother. And I really want to encourage us today. Even the only thing you can honor your father for is the fact that he gave you life. That's enough. That's a difficult thing to say because I know many people have been through traumatic, difficult situations. But today could be God is just prodding you to say, can you, can you just drop a text or a line just to say thank you for giving me life. Maybe it's a dad today and you're saying, I, I, I know that God's calling me to, to step away and start my own business or do that thing that God's placed in my heart, but I haven't been obedient because I've been so scared. God is prodding you again. He says, hey, I, I want you to be obedient. 
Trust me because I am with you. Maybe obedience for us could be just to buy someone a coffee. You know, you ever been in the line and someone says, <laughs> you feel that little voice saying, buy the person in front of you a coffee. Or, and that simply is, that's obedience. You see, our, our feelings always battle against obedience. But after spending time in God's presence, it positions you to obey. Notice, notice obedience didn't come first. Stillness did. And it's very hard to be obedient to God's voice if you've not spent time with him. And this is why this first one, be still and know that he is God. To spend time in his word, confess his word, because it builds your faith. And then when God prods you to do something, you're in a position to respond. And then amidst all the tasks, the business of life as the team come up, the challenges, Joshua remembers one thing, the third guardrail. He remembers his family. He remembers his family. Success begins at home. Success begins at home. He says, but as for me, Joshua 24 verse 15, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Dads, it does not say my house, then me. It says me and my house. We lead our house. I'll say that again. As for me, Joshua said, and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's not my family dragging me to church. It's me bringing my family to church. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We need men to stand up and lead with godly authority. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. They were in this together as a family. Joshua understood you can have success in business. You can have success with leading people. You can have success in all the various things that he had. But here's the thing. If you don't have success at home, it's not success at all. My dad, who's been passed away over 12 years now, didn't have much by the way of natural wealth. What he left on this earth, though, was immeasurable with his spiritual wealth. Mum gave me his wallet a few days after he passed away. I got all excited. I opened it and it looked exactly like that. Has still hasn't changed. I opened it and there was just a, a £10 note in there. That's all he had. He never had a bank card, a checkbook, a credit card, Bitcoin. He didn't have anything. He wasn't interested in anything but loving people and leading people. And you know, we put so much emphasis in our lives on We've got to do this and this and legacy and all those things. Let me tell you, if you leave nothing to your children, remember they're God's children. He'll look after them anyway. And that's not saying don't be good stewards, but we can put so much emphasis on the natural stuff, but actually what, God gave, what dad gave me was far more than a brown wallet. So much deeper. It was spiritual things. It was integrity. It was holiness. It was honesty. It was in the house every Sunday, having people around our house, modeling generosity, modeling hospitality. He gave me far more than a wallet full of cash could ever give me. And I want us just to really think about what true success is. Because money comes, investments come, and they go. But spiritual inheritance can never leave you. And one of the tragedies of so-called success is it's often at the expense of families. 
How many times do we see careers flourishing, bank balances booming, and families crumbling? In Billy Graham's last book on earth, he said this, he says, as I look back, I would do many things differently. I would spend more time with my family. This is a challenge, this is a challenge for the church. We're always looking at ways to see whether we can change things at church to make sure we're putting emphasis on families and community and hanging out and building each other up. So it's not all just about services, services, services. That's why tonight we don't have a service. We want you to be in fellowship, whether it's a family member, a friend. We just want you to be in some kind of community. And so we can celebrate being in families together. You know, our only unique role in this life is family. I'm the only person that could ever be dad to my two children, a a husband to my wife, and a son to my mum. Someone else could come in and lead Soul Church, probably do a better job. Someone else could preach. Someone else could do anything that I do on a day-to-day basis, but no one could fill the role of you and I in the position that God's placed us as family. And I want to speak to all the dads, all the men how we love our wives, how we love our children is the best preaching of the gospel we can ever do. Success. I think it's very different to what we think success is from God's eyes. You can't fluke success at home. So how do we succeed? Chantal and I, we're always talking about how do we do better at home first? How do we do better at home? Not how do we do things better at church? How do we do better at home? We haven't got this right. But we created about three or four years ago, six or seven Norman family principles. We get these wrong and we don't always get these right. And sometimes it's really hard, but we've worked hard at these six, seven principles I'm gonna share with you. And uh, I, I want us as families, and maybe you live alone and this is really tough, but you can create some principles for your own life still but I want you to go home and think about what are the principles of our home? What are the non-negotiables in our home? Because you know, if you don't have guardrails in your home, you can just end up anywhere. So we've got six or seven guardrails. Can I share these with you? Is that okay? They might help you. They might not help you. Maybe you'll go home and create your own set of guardrails, principles, but these are the ones that have helped us be success with family. And we're not perfect. The first one is we try to gather around the dinner table four to five times a week as a family. Sometimes that looks like fish and chips. Sometimes it looks like a roast dinner. But we're all trying to gather as much as we can around the table. There's something about being around the table. We play this game called highs and lows every night. We talk about the highs of the day and the lows of the day. And sometimes our kids say all sorts of things. Okay, but we don't just want to be all positive. We don't want to be all negative. What went well at school, what didn't go well. So we create these family principles. You see, if, 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 if we miss dinner every night of the week, trying to help another family, it communicates to our family they're not as important. Okay, so we've got to create some principles, especially as pastors. We get pulled all over the place. We're like family first when it comes to mealtimes, especially Monday through Friday. And the second principle is we pray on the way to school and we pray before they go to sleep as much, well, pretty much every single day. 
Okay, sometimes we watch a movie and they fall asleep and God forgives us. Okay, but that's just natural life with kids. But we make sure on the way to school, we say the Lord's Prayer. We pray with them. We speak God's favor. And before they go to sleep, we make sure the last thing they hear before they go to sleep is the name of Jesus in their bedroom. Okay, not a podcast or or not a a Netflix. Make sure it's the name of Jesus. We speak over them. Third thing is birthdays are non-negotiable. We hold birthdays in high regard in our family. And so we wouldn't travel. We wouldn't, we wouldn't work on, on, on our birthdays. Okay, now again, this is really personal to us because I know some of you, you have to travel with work and sometimes those things happen. And, but we've never missed a birthday because we feel really important that our children have us around on their birthday. So if I get invited somewhere, we all go or we don't go. Okay, so it's a really important thing that our kids feel valued on their birthdays. The fourth thing is we tell each other every day we love each other. All right, now that's going to be really easy sometimes, okay? Chantel's like falling into my arms. She can't get enough of it. And other days it's like, I love you. You know, and you're biting your teeth and saying it as quick as you can. Sometimes you even drop the eye, don't you? Love you, okay? But we make sure every single day we tell our children and we tell each other we love them. We, we made a covenant when we stood together. We said, till death do us part. In the good times, the bad times, the sick times, the fun times, the holiday times, we made a covenant and we renew that covenant every day by saying, I love you. We refuse to speak the words divorce and separation in our home. Those words have never been issued, spoken, declared in our home. We've had some good arguments, all right? Sometimes Chantal is tougher. You know, sometimes she just can't control some of her emotions. Okay, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's, it's always two ways. But, sometimes, but we made a decision on the day we got married, we would never speak the words divorce and separation. Why? Because words have power. And once you start speaking them, you start believing them. So we made a decision. We take a cold shower. We go for a walk. We phone a friend, but we will not speak the word separation or divorce in our family. And we stand on the word of God. What God has joined together, no one and nothing can separate. Now, the good news is if you've said that word in your home, it's fine because today's a new day. And so we want to move, 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 move forward. Six or seven, I don't know where we're at. We try, and again, we, this is hard work, but we're working at it, we're doing better. Date night once a month, okay? When you were dating your spouse, you would have a date night every night. Then you get married, it's like, I don't need to do that anymore. But I encourage you to date your spouse. It's mine, I know there's 101 reasons not to work, but I encourage you, when was the last time you went out on a hot, spicy date with your spouse? We went on a bike ride this week. I swallowed 50, 50 ants and we had Wagamamas together. But it's important, it's important to keep, keep the love alive by dating. Number seven, Sunday is the Lord's Day. Today is the Lord's Day. That was a principle that our parents instilled in us. We don't own Sunday, success begins on Sunday. And we've never negotiated Sunday. We never think, shall we, shan't we? Is it a, there's, no, there's no choices on a Sunday. You might say, well, that's your job. No, no, this is a principle that we've had way before this was our job. Sunday is God's day. And when we put him first, the principle of first, when you put God first on the first day of the week, the first with your time, the first with your first three, when you put God first, he adds the rest. 
And so Sundays, we've never negotiated Sundays. Even when we're on holiday, we're laying on a beach, we're like, we feel guilty for being on a beach. We should be in church. We've even found a church because we love God's house. We love the house of God. We love this church. All right, I'm out. I'm done. I'm completely done. There we go. So... We are not perfect. We miss these. But I would love you to go home today and sit down and think about your family values, your family principles. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what these principles does? This is good success, right in the center. Bad success, good success. This is where God wants you. It's the hard road to success because it's the slow road. It's the slow road. Steve spoke brilliantly last week on relationships. And you know the reality is so easy for bad success. You can try and gamble your way to success. You can try and sleep your way to success. You can try and inject your way to success. You can try and do all sorts of things to be feel successful. But the only way to true success is through spending time in his presence, being obedient to what he's called you to do, and keeping your family on the journey with you. And the Bible says, you shall have good success in your life. Do you receive the word today? Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. It was said, it was said, this is the only time I can find it said in Scripture, but it might be, it, I might be wrong, but it said that Israel serve the Lord, not idols or others' gods, all the days of Joshua's life. These three guardrails kept the ruler, the judge of Israel, all the days of his leadership. That's pretty impressive. It's the only, the only judge I can find where there was not a bad word spoken about him. Why? Because he had guardrails in his life. And I would love right now to pray for the dads to pray for the dads. and I'll, I know dads absolutely can't stand this, but would you step out of your seat and come down the front if you're a dad, a granddad, a dad-to-be? Would you step out? You don't have to, but I just, I just felt I wanted to pray for the fathers today. And I'm very much aware of the challenges that face dads, family and business. Maybe the team, we can just make sure that they... Try and get them as close to the front. We've gone a little bit over, but... Keep coming, that's it. Look at this, guys. This is incredible. Keep coming through the center. That's it. Just step forward, just step forward right to the front. We'll squeeze as many as we can. I'm going to ask Steve to come up as well and help me pray, but I, I just want to commend you all. This isn't an easy role in society. It's not an easy role in family to be the father, but God's commissioned us. And I really want to just remind us again that success, real, true, godly, good success begins here. I know we have so many things we've got to accomplish and do and get to, But I want us to do this, not just for us, but for the generations around us, for the people who follow us, look up to us, because God wants you to have good success. 
Maybe you've only experienced success on the other side of the railings, but today can be a turning point. Success then goes on and says, God, God says, I need you to be obedient. And I know obedience is such a, ah, oh, such an ugly word. But when we're obedient to God and when we're obedient, we, we tune into His voice, we tune out to the other voices. And when we make those tough decisions, there is blessing on the other side of obedience. And God's saying, hey, I, I want you to bring your family with you. I want you to lead your family. We need men to stand up. We need men to be men of God. Men of God, strong men, brave men, courageous men. Men who are not afraid to stand up for godly values. Men who will fight. When the men are strong, the home is strong. As for me, Joshua says, me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. So I'm gonna ask Steve to come and we're gonna pray. And I'm going to believe that God's going to put courage in your spirit today. There's going to be a fresh fight in you again to go again. Maybe business and work and college has kicked it out of you. But I believe there's going to be a fresh resolve today that God is going to do something new. There's going to be a fresh desire for the Word of God, for the presence of God in your life. I'm going to believe today that you're going to respond. There's going to be some things that God is going to ask you to obey. And you're going to say, here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, send me. And I'm going to believe that God is going to use you and your family. We're going to put a wipe the slate clean today. God's going to say, I'm going to give you a fresh start in that marriage. I'm going to give you a fresh start with your children. I'm going to give you a fresh start with your father. I'm going to give you a fresh start and a new beginning. The old things have passed away and behold, I am making all things become new. Today is a new day. Men, we're going to wake up. We're going to lead. We're going to stand up. We're going to be men of courage and valour in this age. Amen. Amen. Come on, Steve. Come on, church. Why don't you stretch out your hands towards these men? Father, God, we look to you in this moment. This is not just another ordinary prayer. We are believing for an anointing from heaven to fall on every man, on every father here at the front. Do, Lord, what only you can do. I pray that these men would step up in authority, step up in anointing. Lord, that something would be dispensed from heaven in this moment. Supernatural wisdom for their families. Supernatural wisdom for their workplaces. Lord, for sons and daughters that are far away from you, I pray for every father that they would have your heart to go after them with compassion and with love. So in this moment, as a church family, we ask that you would touch every man and you would anoint them with fresh oil from heaven. We commit them to you and speak your grace and your love. Just overpower them. This week we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I feel like God got two, two specific words. The first word is... And I want to be really careful how I say this, but there's someone here, a dad here, or a husband here, and you're facing a divorce. And you've written it off. God's saying today, it's not over. There's still life. If you're willing to fight for it, I'll stand beside you. It's not over. It's not over. I don't even want you to tell me who it is. You can tell me after, but it's not over. Fight for what's left. Fight for what's left. Even if you've got three days before it goes through, you fight for it. 
You fight for it. There's a miracle that's beginning today. God is working in your heart. We're going to fight for what's left in that situation. We're going to fight for the covenant that we made. Father, right now, I pray, would you stretch out your hand? I pray for every marriage that is coming under the heat, Father God, in this day and age, Father God. And Father, we do make mistakes, Father God, but your grace is sufficient. And I pray a protection right now on every marriage in our church. For those who are watching online, I come against separation and divorce. What God has brought together, nothing can separate. So Father, I pray for reconciliation between husbands and wives. Father, I pray for healing, Father. God, I pray you'd bring things back together. Father, I pray that you'd continue, Father God, to restore and heal relationships, Father. You are a good, good Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to pray right now. And I'm going to ask Chantel to come up and pray for this. But I want to, we're going to pray for people who are believing God for children. You're believing God to be a father. And for whatever reason, that hasn't happened. We have seen so many miracles in our church of people who struggled to conceive and then God came in. And I want to encourage you to, today to let faith arise again. Let faith arise again. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want you to lift your hands. But right now, I'm going to ask Chantel to pray a prayer of faith over you. We're going to pray for miraculous conceptions in this, in this church. If that is a desire of your heart, the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray for this situation. Lord, we're so grateful that every good and perfect gift comes from you. Thank you, And Jesus. so right now, Lord, you know, you know, Father, you know, the situation, you know, the circumstance that surrounds it, Father. But right now, I speak life and hope in Jesus' name. Where there is life, there is hope. And so right yes, now, Lord, I pray you, for the Ruach wind of the Spirit of God to thank come you, and Jesus. breathe right now yes, into Lord. every life, into thank every you, home, into every heart, Father. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that life would be birthed, Father, out of this moment, God, this moment of desperation, crying out to you, Father. Yes, Lord, Lord that you, you hear, God, the prayers of the righteous. And right now, God, we pray for Father, that today would be like a seed that is planted. Father, and that seed will grow. Lord, and we will be able to see the harvest on the other side of it. We receive it now in Jesus' name. We thank you for the miracle that is in motion. We thank you that you are faithful and you are true and you are wonderful and marvelous and perfect in all of your ways. We pray in Jesus' name. Father, we praise a hedge of protection around the men of our house. Father, we place the hedge of protection around their eye gates and their ear gates, what they hear and what they see. Lord, I pray, Lord, for men of valour, spiritual men, Father God, courageous men would rise up today. We would have a new determination, a new determination to get to our Word, to get to our knees, a new determination, Father God, to get to your house, a new determination to declare that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right, we're going to say that again. 
I want all the men, I want us to, to say this. Something about when the men say it. Manpower. We're going to put the verse up. We're going to say it out loud. If you don't know it, as for me. But as it comes up, we're going to say this together. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. You know, success ultimately is not what you have, it's who you have in your life. And the most successful person to ever walk this earth was Jesus. But you know, he wasn't just successful. He regularly spent time in the presence of his father and he was obedient, obedient, even to the point of death, death on a cross. So the model of Joshua is a model that even Jesus himself lived out. So this wasn't just unique to Joshua. This is what Jesus did while he was on earth. He regularly spent time in stillness with his father and he was obedient. And today I want to give you an opportunity to find real success. And you can only find true, real, good success through an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. I'm speaking to those at home, online, outside, in the garden, wherever you listen on the podcast. This is your opportunity right now to receive Jesus. I couldn't do life without him. I couldn't. I just don't know how people do it. But Jesus, he promised to come and be with us in our good days and our not so good days. And he's here right now and he's longing to have a relationship with you. Whether you're a dad, a mom, a daughter, son, grandfather, it doesn't matter. He is here and he loves you, my friend. And I would, we never conclude a service without giving you an opportunity to receive this love forgiveness of your sins and hope for tomorrow. So I'd love everyone just to close your eyes. I know I'm 11 minutes over time and the barbecue's burning, but we'll, we'll get to it, trust me. Hey, this is, this is the most important moment of your life. You say, oh, John, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you once did, but you kind of drifted. Today, you can receive His love towards you. I'm gonna simply count to three. Say, John, include me in that prayer. I want to receive Jesus. One, he loves you. Two, he's got a plan for your life. Three, respond to that love. Just slip up your hand so I can see it. Say, pray for me. God bless you. 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 Anyone else say that to me? Right at the back. Good on you. Maybe you're online. I want you to put a little comment in the chat saying, yeah, that's me. Put a little thumbs up or I have decided. But today, that decision it's very much for you at home too. We're going to say this prayer out loud. It's on the screen at home. It's on the screen in front of you in the room. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. To forgive all my sin. So that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life. And help me by the power of the Holy Spirit. To trust and to live for you. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's congratulate all the dads, all the mums, everyone online who said that prayer. Well done. We've got a gift for you. Next step, our team will be outside in the atrium afterwards. 
and uh, we've got a Bible. You guys can all head back to your seats, all the dads. Make sure you pick up a Bible on the way out. We're going to give you a little card to fill in. We'd love to stay connected. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.